Hey everyone, what's happening? This is episode eight of the Everyday Bowhunter podcast. This week, Dan and I sit down and talk about if we're going to hunt mornings during the early season, the kind of camo that works in the early season, and all the little things that we do now that prep is done and we're ready to go out in the woods and hunt. All the little things like how our access is going to be planned, what we're going to do as far as calling, the process we take once we get to the tree, and what we're going to do when that time comes to take that shot and all the little things that come in between. So we really go through a lot in this episode. So I invite you to jump in with us and let's go. Welcome to the Everyday Bow Hunter. I'm your host, Mike Manley, retired Green Beret turned bow hunter, joined by my brother, Dan Zeman. We're here to share tips, stories, and talk gear, all from our unique points of view. Whether you're just starting out or you're a seasoned bow hunter, I think you're going to like it. So let's go. All right, Dan, here we are. Episode eight. Let's go. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. Hey, everyone. Just like last week, we're going to start this week off with user question, listener question. We got two this week. We're going to start off. Listener from Michigan. Name is John sent me a question on Instagram. It said, Hey, you know, I'm ex-military too. Can I use multicam camo for the early season? Do you think it will work? And the answers, the straightforward answer is pretty simple. Yeah. Yeah. It'll work. It'll definitely work for early season. You could probably use it even, even later than early season as well. For that camouflage, it's, it's, it works pretty good for, for that environment, depending on where you're at, obviously, but Michigan, I, I would, I would suspect it would definitely work up in Michigan. The, uh, the thing that this brings to mind though, were, did I cut you off, Dan? Yeah, I was going to just, oh, sorry. I was just going to say, I really didn't know a whole lot about it. So I decided I'm going to look it up and through looking it up is where I discovered that it says the United States military has not, what's the word I'm looking for? Authorized. Authorized it to be used for civilians. Now. Being a John from Michigan, you're a veteran. I think that's pretty okay. You know what I mean? But like an average guy who's, like me. Who's going to come I, out I mean, and tell you you can't? Who's going to? Yeah. Who's I mean, the, who's the camo police? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you can't wear that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you hadn't looked it up, I mean, who who actually knows that? Who's enforcing it? Right. 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 I like Unless I, you're we were talking on about a military installation wearing it. That might be a different deal. Right. But uh, yeah, again, we were talking before the podcast here started, and I said it's very actually similar to subalpine from, you know, Sitka. Just a little bit darker, not as bright and vibrant, but I think it would work great, personally. I'd wear it. Yeah. 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 So, so do Absolutely. I. Now, the one thing that we talked about this a couple of times is deer vision. You know, they're they're basically like red-green colorblind. They see hues of yellow and blue. They see blue very well, and they yeah. see, you know, ultraviolet light on that on that spectrum and wearing multicam or anything that helps you blend into the environment that you're in where the colors match it's going to help it's going to help you i mean people have been wearing you know very low grade camo for years and years and years long before the people didn't wear camo for years i mean it really depends on what you're you're wearing and if you're you have a good backstop you always have to think about those things don't silhouette yourself yeah. have a good backstop try to try to blend into the environment you're in and if that camo 
matches the environment you're in, then it, it's probably going to work decently because a deer is going to see in like a lot of grays and stuff like that. And, and they're going to, they're going to think you're a big blob of, of stuff anyway, unless you move. So most, most camouflages work decent. Others work like, you know, the disruption style camouflage that we talk about works better. Well, I would say if there was one negative, there's not scent elimination technology in an archery season the whole name of the game is for that animal to get a lot closer to you and as close as possible in rifle season season you can reach out and touch something in archery season it's a little bit different you're it's up close and personal game and that might be a disadvantage but there's sprays that you could spray uh there's things that you could do some cover scent stuff you know of course the wind and the wind yeah You'd, and I think wearing that, you'd have to play the wind and your thermals a lot better. Honestly, that's just my opinion. Yeah. That really depends on if you, if you can hunt the wind really well, then, then you don't necessarily have to worry too much, but it's always that, that window, that, that scent cone around your tree. Yeah. You know, I equate it to the job I do right now. We do, I do hazmat and hazmat incidents. We, we do what's called plume modeling, right? Okay. Plume modeling basically looks at that where that cloud is, it's sometimes an invisible cloud, right? Yeah. That, that you're just using different meters and sensors to detect where that cloud is and how it's affecting the population. Well, the same thing applies to your tree. You're in the tree and your scent's coming off of that, right? You're always going to have an area around that tree, not perfectly, where your scent's around there because of the wind shifts and ebbs and flows and stuff like that. No matter if you have a constant wind or not, you have those times when it lulls down slows down and you get that backdraft and it's always that little hub around you. It might be five yards. It might be 10 yards or 15. Yeah. It really depends on the hunt and the winds, how they're swirling and stuff. So yeah. the more you can minimize your signature and use second troll stuff, uh, the better off you're going to be. There's no perf. I don't think there's a single perfect scenario oh, unless you have one of those great windy days where the wind is just, just honking in one direction and not moving. All right. So. Well, John from Michigan, I think it was a pretty good question. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the, the next question is uh, from Tim. I think Tim in Maryland sent it also on Instagram. And he said, hey, do you guys hunt mornings in early season? And you can start, Dan. Absolutely. I hunt mornings every time I hunt, regardless of the time of the year. Gives you a pretty good idea in early season what they're doing in the morning, start patterning them deer. Uh, I think it's in, in my opinion, it's, it's a must, uh, you should be out there, you know, how else are you going to figure out what they're doing? I think a lot of people, you know, there's a, I've heard different, different people on different podcasts say, and the early season, they don't, cause they don't want to blow out an area. They don't know where the deer are yet, et cetera. But if you have done your scouting, early season scouting and have a good idea of what those patterns are, have trail cameras out, et cetera. You know, and you, you could basically say, okay, I know that the deer on this pattern, they should be, you know, over here. And if I can get to this spot before they do, then, you know, I, I'm in a good yeah. spot. Early season is a great time for that in the mornings. If you've done your yeah. homework, yeah. if you haven't done your homework, then maybe a morning, morning hunt's not, hunt's not for you. But if you've done your homework and you have a good idea where the deer are moving on that, that food to bed pattern. Yeah. And you can be near that bedding area before they get there. That's a great thing. Now, we, we talked a little while ago about that study, that deer study, Dan. Yes. It said that 
they they're bedded usually before before the sun is down. And I I think early season that a lot of times we've seen that that's not the case. We've seen bucks on the move. It's still dead daylight in the early season, especially that some of them yeah. still in their bachelor groups and stuff. Yeah, you know, and have absolutely had success on morning hunts for sure. So it's really depends on where you're at, how your scouting is, and all that. Yeah, I I mean, I if you're not going out in the morning, it's just one less hunt that you get. <clears throat> it, you know what I mean? Like, I I just I I feel like you got to be in the woods. That's just how I you know. Well, the alternative to it is if you're not going to do a morning hunt because you're not confident with going to a place, that's the other thing. You have to be confident to, you're going to a place in the dark because you need to get there early. Yeah. You need to let the woods calm down around you. Yeah. You know, you have to become one with the, one with the woods and quiet and calm down and stuff. Yeah. But if, if you're not comfortable and you don't know what tree you're going to or where it's at or have anything mapped out, then you know what? Maybe your best bet is to do that active scouting scout the hunt scenario we've talked about in previous podcasts yeah there is that yeah like right right after it gets light you go out and you start you start working it through the day and you're working it all day till you you find something maybe you pull out and go back for the evening hunt or maybe you pull out and say okay i'm coming back the next morning or a week later you know yeah yeah whatever yeah Yeah. so there's a lot of scenarios with that in different areas yeah i guess i guess i'm was being a little ignorant there i i to not thinking about not being comfortable going in in the morning because you haven't really scouted that or whatever, or mapped a way in properly, you know? So yeah. yeah, I guess I wasn't thinking of it that way. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different things that go with that. Yeah. And <laughs> you know how it is when you're going in the morning, so at, in the dark and tripping over stuff and trying to be quiet. It can be tough <laughs> if you don't know where it can be tough if you know where you're going. Especially if you're me, because this is me walking through the woods. <laughs> Dan's doing finger puppets. If you're listening, Dan's doing finger puppets where he falls down continuously. <laughs> Take a couple steps, fall for it. Take a couple steps, fall over. It's... Tell you what, Ugh. I had that tree stand that had those like spikes in it to hook to the tree. Yeah. And I always worried that I was going to fall down and have that thing go into the back of my head. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, you know what? That's one thing I don't miss about a tree stand at me hunting off the ground now is. I always had it that it was up and your cables were up that way. You're catching every damn branch, getting tangled on crap. So you being a saddle hunter, it's got to be a little bit more freedom now too. Oh, it can move a lot better through the woods yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Don't get hung up on stuff as much, but, uh, okay. Well, that, you know, there's some great questions. I think that, you know, keep sending them. I really, you know, if you have a question, send it in. We'd love to discuss stuff. Like I said, we don't know everything, but you know, a good discuss it can make us research some stuff possibly and really have a good discussion about it. So whether it's on Instagram, YouTube, or whatever, you know, on Spotify, send us a question in. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to put it on the show. Absolutely. All right. So you ready to get into the meat of this thing? Yeah, let's go. Okay. So today we're going to talk about stuff like what, what, what you do after all the prep is done, you know, hard habits to break how to access your hunting spots, what to do when you're in your stand, calling and, and taking shots and more. So first to start off with Dan, for you, what do you do now? If all, all your prep is done, you know, what's the next step? What are you doing now? Well, really it's kind of an OCD thing for me. It's double checking everything, going back through my pack. It's like, I almost pack it 
and then unpack it and then repack it. Well, maybe, you know, stuff like that. I mean, I'm kind of, I, I kind of shut it down a little bit because it, now it's, you know, get those last couple hangouts with the wife and the kid and the dogs and stuff like that and get that quality time in because, you know, as for us, me and you, Mike, we're traveling, we're, we're on the road every weekend, you know, away from our families and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, kind of like a lot of date night type stuff leading into to archery season. But I mean, also in the back of my mind, it's always a little spot planning and stuff like that. Just kind of putting the finishing touches on X, figuring out different little things. And maybe there was something I didn't catch before, just kind of doing my homework. Yeah. I, I talked about this a little bit for me. I talked about it for as far as season planning, having a season long plan and it evolves through the season when you find new stuff, when you are doing that active scouting or still hunting or whatever, you see new sign and you, you flex or whatever. And yeah, the plan you start, they say no plan ever survives first contact. And that's true. You start off with a plan, but at least go into the season with a plan. And just like Dan was saying, I have, I use Onyx and I have like a ton of spots marked that are either spots that I actively scouted and say, okay. This is a morning hunt. This is an evening hunt. This is for this. Every single one of them has a wind mark for them for the wind that I can hunt. Every single one of them is going to have a, an access route into them. We'll talk a little bit more about that and, and then have that mapped out. And then early season spots, mid season spots and, and, uh, ruts, rut time spots, you know, and if you have that laid out, you know, it helps you to get focused when you go in because <laughs> what's the thing that always ends up happening, Dan, we get to camp. So we'll go up to our, our hunting camp and we have a, what, six or so guys in there Friday night and we're drinking and stuff. But what's the question everybody starts asking that night? Where are you going tomorrow? <laughs> Where are you going tomorrow? Yeah. Yep. So that's the first thing everybody's saying. And a lot of times in the past have been like, I don't even know yet. I don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. And it could be true. Cause in the morning you get up and you say, what's the wind now? I know what the forecast yeah. was. What's the wind now? And, and our old man has a wind sock outside, yeah. you know, his stuff. So you can, you can see the wind direction. But what's yeah, crazy but, about where we're at is you could be out there Friday night, that wind's going and you're like, yep, this is where I'm going. And you wake up Saturday morning, it's going a totally different direction. You're like, gosh, damn yeah. it. And then <laughs> through the day, through the day, they, it changes too. So, yeah, yeah. You know, especially then you have thermals and everything else that you got to account for. Right. Right. Yeah. That's, that's always a fun, fun discussion and everybody gets kind of wound up and, and carries on about it. It's funny. It's, it's, it's a fun part of being, being at hunting camp for sure. Yeah. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. And everybody, for the most part, takes that Friday off before the, the season opener on Saturday too. And get supper and just happy to get your stuff all laid out, camp, right? Put it out, you know, and start saying, oh crap, I forgot something. Or, yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Or how am I going to do this? And I can't find my hunting license. Hey, <laughs> hey, dad, do you got any extra batteries? <laughs> you know, stuff like that. <laughs> oh my God, the battery thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, For the headlamp. Crap, never my ending. Headlamp, my headlamp doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's, that's definitely the, the fun part of the whole deal for sure. Yeah. Um, so you talked about this a little bit. We were kind of texting back and forth and, and I think it's a good conversation to have. What are the, you said about the hard habits to break yeah. the things you need to clean up. 
What are, what, what are you focus on, focusing on when you're talking about that? Staying aggressive. So for me, I, I, I have lazy tendencies and that's a habit for me, you know? So it's staying focused and, and achieving the goal, you know, getting up early. You know me, I, there's mornings where it's just, I don't want to get out of bed and I flick you guys off as you're all leaving camp, stuff like that. But it's, you know, it's a million things really, to be honest with you, Mike, it's shorthand in my follow through and my shooting, uh, when, when it's crunch time, uh, different things, the cleaning up the little mistakes that you make as a beginner, you know, it's those habits, the, the, the bad habits that you got, uh, as, as far as not sitting in the right direction, uh, where you just sit there and you're like, Oh, you know, I, I'm already set up. I'm not moving again. You know, stuff done like that. that. That's on a tide. Yes. And, and you know what it's, I, I, I get stuck on that a lot. I'm like, Hey man, I gotta just get it. I have time. Go ahead and move. You're only going to move a little bit. You know what I mean? Just, just do it and get it over with. And if a, a deer busts you, so be it. But you know, you gotta be set yourself up for success and put yourself in the right positions all the time. That's when that sun's coming up and you're saying, oh, I need to move. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Plenty of times doing that. Yeah. I, I mean, forgetting to do things like putting my cover scent out just because I'm being lazy. Oh, you know what? Screw it. It's just a morning hunt. I have this evening yet, you know, and it's just stop being lazy, Dan, just get your butt and do the work. You know, it's there. That's what it is. One of, one of, one of my biggest habits that I need to break is not walking on the deer trails that are taking me into my site, into my spot. Yeah. Uh, it's the easy way. Cause that's usually the easiest way to go there. That's, that's the trails there. You follow the trail path of least resistance, right? Path of least resistance. And that's terrible to do or don't, it's just like, well, you might as well be dragging a scent rope right where the deer's going to walk. And, and I've done it and I've had deer walk right down that trail to me and not had a problem, but that's, that's, that's rolling some dice. And you're talking about a doe versus a young buck versus what's a mature older buck going to do. He's, he's going to walk away from there. He's done. Dude, he's, he's out. not coming yeah. into there. Right. So. And if you're elevated in an elevated spot and you could see that you're going to look down that trail that you just came in and you're going to see that mature buck sniff you out and turn around and you're going to go, yep. I know what just happened. You, you know, know what one I mean? of the weirdest, weirdest spots that, that I hunted and one came right. I went right up the trail and hands and everything, no gloves on and had a big body. It was a young deer. It was a four point, but came right up that trail and, and underneath me, I could have killed him six ways to Sunday. And, but it was that, that one spot that the old man used to have the blind right on the top of like that steep drop off. No, yeah, yeah. Up behind camp there. And, and I climbed up there. I mean, you're literally, you know, some places you're, you're grabbing the ground to get up, grabbing rocks to get up through, through there. So steep. And that deer came right up that hill. And that was one of the neatest things to see him was coming up that steep mm-hmm. embankment. And I don't think a, a mature buck would, would do it. I think he would, would, would have smelled that and been away. But in, I think as far as other ha- hard habits, this stuff I've talked about previously, it's like trying to, to make sure that 
I am as quiet as possible getting into my tree, doing that, that last 200 yards or so, slowing myself down a lot. And, and you don't know what you blow out on the, on your way in already. I mean, you, you don't know, you could take one step in the woods and make that sound and the deer could be gone, but they're just going off the sound. They could easily come back. Uh, you know, I've had that happen too. the deer, you know, deer have come like back around you and stuff, but trying to slow down, trying to, to use my red light, not to put my signature out so much. And, and, and also the, probably the biggest of everything is probably outside of the trail thing is not over hunting a spot because I'm addicted to that spot. And I did that a lot last year and I, and it, kick myself in the butt for it. Cause I was just way too aggressive. I kept pushing in, pushing in, pushing in and over hunted the area. Yeah. Being aggressive for the wrong reasons. Yeah. 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 So I, I saw the target buck I, I wanted, but you know, it, it, you know, I, I just was never in, in a position because I was hunting too hard, to, just literally hunting too hard because I had limited time to hunt. So, yeah. yeah. yeah and I need to try to, to rein that in. All right. So the next section here is how are you accessing your spots? Which is perfect for what we just talked about, right? Absolutely. So, when I was talking about it on X, the, and one of the things is if you go in and you scout out a spot, but you know, and you found a spot and you're going to hunt it and then you plan your access to it, right? You know, I always say, make sure I take a compass with me, put that compass out and see exactly what the wind is for that spot. Because just because you look at a map, and say, oh, my spot's right there. I need this wind. That could be off for that spot. I mean, the, the wind and the way that spot lays out on, especially in mountains, hill country, that could lay out completely different for, for the wind than what you're, you're just looking at the map, looking at, and you just, cause where you're, where's your tree? Where's your, the tree that you're hunting? All right. That tree in relationship to where you expect the deer to be and that wind you need to look at your compass and say, I need a Northwest wind for this particular spot. And I need to access this, this way. So I know for, for one spot, for example, I have to go just, I have to go straight up the mountain, probably a half a mile down from where the spot is. I have to get above the ridge line where it's at. I have to come down it and then drop down into where the spot is to keep away from all those trails that they're running Yeah, yeah. down there. So that planning your access is extremely important because you don't want to blow the deer out of the area you're going into before you even get there or leave a signature on those trails. And that is just like we said, that's a very difficult thing to do because it can really take you a long way around to get to where you need to go. And especially, especially with how thick it is up there sometimes, you know, because you've got to go way out around. Yeah. 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 And so planning your access like that, I mean, those are all the things you need to consider, you know, okay. The wind and the access wind, right? You you want to be walking into the wind when you're accessing your spot. You don't want to be pushing your scent into that spot when you're walking into it. Right. You know, just flooding your scent through that spot. And now you say, oh, I'm going to hunt the wind when I get to the spot. No, that's not, that's not going to be good enough because now you already polluted the woods around it. And you could have, even if the deer doesn't, you know, your signature is not strong or it's only catching a little bit of you. They might just decide to kind of skirt the area. You know, you didn't blow them out, but they're just going to kind of go around and not come into you that in that location. I had it happen both ways. I walked straight to the spot, walked in the trails and had the buck come right into me, but no problem. Yeah. And I am sure 
the majority of the time I I've done the opposite and had a negative result. And the thing is, you're not even going to know it. You're not going to know it. Yeah. You know, Oh, I didn't see any deer. This spot sucks. It might've been you. <laughs> well, chances are it was you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so a different yeah. aspect of what you're talking about, I guess, is we're kind of brushed on it here. You know, it, when you're walking in, uh, this is a totally different as aspect of accessing your spot is so a portion of the way, if you're using bright eyes, if you know, a portion of the way, put double bright eyes at that 200 you know, yard mark before you get to your stand. So, you know, where you're supposed to start being quieter or watch, don't step on certain twigs because they're going to hear how heavy you are. You know what I mean? And they know the difference between you walking a turkey walking, a, you know what I mean? They're going to go, Oh, that was not normal. You know, stuff like that. Your cadence, you talked about Zach Farrenball from the hunting public talking to, you know, changing your cadence of how you're walking. So at that 200 yard mark, change your cadence, stop stepping on stuff, try and find the quietest, you know, way to access into your spot. Absolutely. Yeah. That's definitely, you know, access is, is important. It's, it's something I've ignored. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Quite a bit. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, that trying to do a lot better job with for sure. It's one of those bad habits to break. Definitely yeah. is one of those bad habits to break. Like yeah. I said, walking on deer trails. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's the easy way in. It's easy just to walk in on the deer trail and get to the spot. And then I'm there and, you know, yep. you can get away with that in the rut. Yeah. You know, but you're not going to get away with that other times. No. All right. Well, that brings us to, so you are accessed. You're now, you know, what do you, what are you doing when you get to your stand, Dan? What steps are you taking? All right. So, you know, first I, I kind of figure out my, you know, I already know my spot and I figure I have pre-gamed to figure out where I'm going to be in that spot, putting my cover scent, my, uh, Evercalm stuff like that down. So that I, I, I get it, get that out of my bag and do that. And then I get to, so I'm hunting off the ground. I get clear spot. I have, you know, the little stuff beside me for, to, so I can kind of like, almost like, <laughs> like turkey hunting, scratching to be able to make noise when I need to, as a call. Uh, and you, you can't really start that range finder thing because it's dark if you're hunting in the morning. So you have to wait for the sun to come up and here's kind of where it's like a critical point for me being on the ground is now I have to range find my shooting lanes, you know, and I'm making movement now. And that's that, that first light is kind of very critical and for me making movement. So it, it, it puts me in a bind. It's a tough spot where guys up in a tree, they have a little bit more freedom to do that. I, you know, make those movements. So I, I have to have everything set up and ready. So as the sun's coming up, my release is on, I'm ready to go. So I start hearing something, I get, I, I know the distance and start getting drawn a while and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot. To, it's a lot easier to just go in there your spot and you set your tree seat up and all that stuff and get your bow, bow holder in the ground or whatever and all that. And then, you know, really can sit down and get quiet faster than, than you do with your getting into a tree stand for sure. It's, you know, there, there is something to be said about morning hunts though, because 
once you're fully set up and you have that half hour or whatever it is of complete darkness and you just kind of sit back, put your head against the back of the tree there, the tree there, and you just close your eyes and listen to the woods. It is so freaking cool, almost eerie, but really cool. And to watch the woods wake up, start hearing chipmunks, start seeing squirrels, stuff like that. Oh, it's just the coolest thing ever, man. I'm, I'm so ready. We are two weeks away a little, you know, oh my gosh. It's like, finally, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm starting to have dreams and stuff. Like I, I don't even want to call them nightmares because I'm not dreaming of missing deer yet. <laughs> <laughs> that comes after I miss the deer, but no, I'm having dreams of like sitting in a, a hunting spot. It's awesome. I love it. Yeah. This is a, so when I get into a spot, I go, you know, try to get up to the tree, close to the tree and, and I try to be behind it. Right. Because you know, you're tar you want to be facing that direction of that, where that trail is that you're going to hunt. And hopefully if you did your wind stuff, right, you know, pull, pull out, do a little mi milkweed drop and see if the winds are still good. You know, that's something I want to make sure I do before I climb the tree this year, kind of focus on before I climb the tree type deal. Then when I get, when I'm going up, I will put my sticks up you know, one at a time. I have a carrying system that where I put my I put my bow on my backpack, right? I try not to use, I used to use the bow rope thing a lot. But now I've switched to, because my backpack has a, uh, a Palisade pack from Trophy Line that has a bow holder on it. And I strap my bow to it and I put the backpack on my back and I climb the tree. I have my sticks hanging off my side. I have clips where I hang my climbing sticks on me. I go, I put the first stick up. I grab the second one. The other ones are hanging on me. I go up, put that second stick up and so on and so forth until I get my platform on. Cause saddle, this one I saddle hunt and it's a little bit different when I use a, use a stand, but same thing applies. I'm trying to be as quiet as possible when I'm doing this. I'm trying to wrap my arms around the tree without being fast, doing fast movements, trying to be slow, you know, trying to get all set up in there so that when I do get everything set up on the tree and I have such a systematic process that every pocket, like I said before, the first thing I'm pulling out, is the first thing I need. So I'm trying to minimize fumbling around, you know, yeah. with me throwing a camera on the tree and stuff, that's still a lot of movement. So I got to try my best to be slow, controlled, quiet. And you do get a little bit of that break from when you're up in the tree in the dark like that. I think you feel more secure to make more movements than you do on the ground. Maybe, you know, like you were saying. Yeah. I, I, there, I don't have a whole lot of room for error, you know, that in I'm just dark, being honest. It's, you know, in the afternoon, I, that, the, that darkness is everything to me. In the afternoon, I utilize the fact that I just made no, noise going in. And okay, so for me, this actually brings up a good point because for me, later in the season is kind of the perfect scenario for me cutting off the ground because I can kind of make noise going in, but not be heavy footed. And I'll go in and me clearing leaves. As I'm clearing leaves, I'm throwing a grunt call, you know. Because I want the deer to think that it's another deer that's traveling in. And at that spot ambush, it, it was like pure magic. Was it two seasons ago? I literally went in doing that. I got to the spot, just sat down. I mean, I wasn't even ready yet and I, because I was grunting. And within seconds, there was a three points just standing there looking at me. And I'm like, holy crap. I mean, this happened fast. And then not long after that, that big 
giant buck was chasing a doe down, but yeah, that's a, that's, that's kind of, I use, I utilize that in, in the afternoons. Yeah. It does work, especially that the more, uh, I think yeah. the later in the season you get. Yeah. Now, yeah. Early yeah, season, yeah. you know, early season for me, when you're up in a tree a lot of foliage on the trees and stuff, you can really hide and, and get away with a lot of movement. You know, yeah. I'm not going up super high. I'm thinking I, I'm usually now between 15 and 18 feet. I'm not hunting as high as I used to, you know, so you get up there pretty quick and then try to minimize my movement. But you can, you know, when you're there in the day and it's, the sun's out and stuff and you can see everything good, that really gives you an idea of what, what can be seen by something, you know, of you. So you can, you can gauge your movement on that too. You know, I have good cover here. I can move a lot or whatever. So that yeah. makes a difference. But yeah, I do. I get the tree strap on, hang my back, hook my backpack on. I always have my backpack hooked to the tree right down where, where I can reach into it and stuff. So there's a, there's a whole system and I recommend anybody, you know, that my system is my system. You have to have your own system that works for you. Yeah. And and figure it out. Sometimes it's just a matter of trial and error until you get, we talked about, I think a couple, was it last two podcasts ago, we were talking about lessons learned and talking about that first day, uh, the first day of the season, fumbling, uh, fumbling that you have and it's screwing You feel so clumsy. You know what I mean? Like that first, that first weekend or two or, or first, first two or three hunts, I should say, it just, I feel clumsy and klutzy and like I'm tripping over my own feet and <laughs> it's, it's just, it's how it is. You know, it's oh, when I, when I switched to the saddle, the first time I went down, I was hunting, hunting near the lake. And I was like, it was like an hour till I was ready in the tree. You know, I was like, oh my God, I am so screwed up. Now I do, now I'm like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, hundred percent ready. Yeah. You no, know, but that's about having those, those systems and stuff. So I mean, there's, there, there's variables with that with being too early. You know what I mean? overcast takes a while for the sun to come up for it to get well not sun sun's always coming up at the right you know what i mean yeah. it's overcast yeah. so it to, for it to get brighter out you know what i mean yeah. it's yeah. cloud cover yeah. but so what what for what for scent or like lures are you using when you're i know you have a secret are you willing to share it well you know what i don't consider it a it, secret and i don't know how much i'm gonna gonna be using it i'm trying to you know as i'm trying to get more it? Yeah, I'm trying as I'm trying to hunt closer to bedding areas. I don't want to add any yeah foreign scents into the into the environment to to scare deer off. I want to to make them think nothing's there at all, and I don't want any yeah, practice. If, if I do anything, we, we talk about it's going to be you know calling, you know, doing some yeah. grunts or something like that with my grunt tube, or or some bleats on the bleat can. But I'm not going to. I'm, I'm going to stay away from that this year. I use habitually for years. If you, have you heard of this trails end uh, is, is a, is a scent company that has, you know, like your doe estrus and all that stuff, but they have a thing, a product called trails End 307. And it's got kind of a, a black licorice smell mixed with some doe estrus stuff and everything. And I, <laughs> I have had some really good luck with that. I had a, did a drag drag rag for years. I had a drag rag down a trail from bedding, which is kind of crazy. And I had two bucks that's still in ba- their bachelor group come right down to me, follow nose to the ground, following that stuff right to yeah. me. So, I mean, there's something to be said for it. I, I had the, the big buck three years ago that, that 
came in and he was moving out of the rut and he stopped on a dime and put his nose right to it seven yards from my stand yeah and i whacked him so it it you know it's there's something to be said for it but if like it, it really depends on the exact location yeah i'm hunting i think you know if i'm hunting maybe a travel route or something like that maybe in the rut maybe do it because that yeah. they're they're looking for those scents during the rut yeah but Early season, mid-season thing, I think I'm going to stay away from it. Now, last year, I set off a buck bomb, and I got an eight point with it. It was, I mean, I didn't, I was there for hours and hours, you know. I didn't set it off. I literally set it off, and it was two hours later till he came through. So was, it, did that have any part of it, to be honest with you? You know what I mean? If I'm realistically thinking about it, until that, exp- you know, expired, I mean, it was like an hour and 45 minutes till he came through. So I, I don't actually know if it, you know, worked. Yeah. Be, you know. It's hard to tell. It's hard to yeah. tell. Really hard to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how I'm approaching it this year. And I, you know, I used the Evercom for quite a while. I, you know, I'd go in, first thing I would do was put it on the tree, tree I'm hunting or next to the tree. I actually think I found that it was more successful if I put it on the tree like a tree close to me, like mm-hmm. five, 10 yards away, yeah. as opposed to my tree. Cause it kind of seemed like I had dough and stuff come right to the tree. I mean, it really worked good. That Evercom yeah. worked, worked great for that, for, for dough specifically. I don't think I ever had a, a buck come straight to a tree or anything, but I, I have had dough. So I kind of moved it away so that if I had, if I wanted to shoot a dough for that particular hunt, it weren't coming straight to me. I was getting more of a, you know, a better shot. Yeah. Yeah. So the Evercom, and then I went out in different hunts and used it and never saw deer and was sat in there wondering, is this why, is this why I'm not seeing anything? So, you you know, it's take, if I take it out of the equation altogether, then I don't have to sit there and think if it's hurt, helping me or hurting me. I think if if you put it out and you consistently hear deer blowing at you from a distance, then you know, it's hurting you. You know what I mean? Does it, it, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think of, of anything you can use. Of all the different scents that are out there, I think that's probably the, probably the best one you can use. Yeah. I, the, I have to Evercom. agree here. Yeah. 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 Because it's, if you don't know whatever calm is, it's, it's, it's like taken from deer bedding, I guess. Isn't that right? Is that what yeah, it is? That's yeah. It's yep. It's so it gives that scent of deer. It almost has like a little bit of the pee, the, the pee smell, a little pee pee in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little PP and some other stuff, a little funk, you know. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> it's supposed to smell like a bunch of deer together or whatever it is. Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So What's, yeah. what are, it's it's like a mix between bedding and like herd, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I think they say, you know, the advertisements that they, they put it on on the, on st- on themselves or whatever and able to walk through deer and deer farms and stuff and not have them scare off or stuff like that. Right. But so yeah, if anything you can use, that's probably the only thing that I, that I would say they can use fairly safely, you know, yeah. and not have negative actions from it. But like I said, you never know, who knows, you know, you don't know what deer are thinking when they're smelling something. Right. Right. So about like calling for me in the early season, there's a, you know, they, a social grunt call and it's like a real soft, you know, very soft grunt. And it's more of a. You know, they're active, you know, they're not a whole lot of hunting pressure 
they're not used to that yet. You know, they're just starting to, to get wise to it. So when they're up and active, you start doing that, you know, very soft social grunt. It, It helps with location and stuff like that. And then you become, you know, closer to rut, a lot more aggressive and you really start getting your deep dominant buck grunting going. If you've never had a buck come into a grunt call, you're missing some of the greatest experiences in hunting. It's, it's so amazing when it happens and they come in and your heart's pounding and it's, you know, the testament to the grunt call, you know, but yeah, again, early season, that social grunting, it's very soft, just little, that you can kind of relate it to Turkey, just the little clucks, you know, they're just you're kind of mimicking that kind of style, just, you know, very soft, yeah. easy grunting in the early season. If you're going to start grunting in the early season, it's, it could be very effective, you know? Okay. I think I told a story in one of the previous podcasts where I had, I had a, a young spike buck. I, I saw him, he was walking by probably like 50 yards and I grunted him real, real aggressive. I was like, <laughs> and he stopped on a dime turned and freaking came right to the tree he was <laughs> looking yeah you know, he's like what the hell is going on here like who are you gonna beat up spiky come on and boy then he, <laughs> and, then he, and then he looked up looked up in the tree and and was trying to figure me out and stomping his foot yeah. and everything and stuff but then he goes away and i go <laughs> he turns around and came back again i was messing with him it was so fun it messed around yeah. with him for like a half hour yeah that is uh, fun <laughs> yeah, but um <laughs> One of the things that I started doing two years ago was I started snort wheezing a lot more. It in I rut, just, it, like through like late October in the rut. Okay, yeah. okay. It's because I was doing a late October hunt like three years ago, three four years ago, probably four years ago, and I was doing doing it, and I was up at a place that we call Fern, and I had I had never heard outside of hunting shows and stuff, I had never heard a, a deer snort wheeze in the woods. And man, this, this, this buck's coming by me and he is snort wheezing. I'm talking over and over and over again. And I was like, what is up? And he was probably like 60 yards from me and I could barely like see him and stuff. And he's just, I don't even know what he's doing it to. Is he doing it to me? Maybe my wind was blowing that way because I wasn't hunting the wind that, that, at that time. Yeah. And I was like saying, oh, is, is this, this buck smell me and he's snort wheezing the crap out, you know, go, like you know, trying to figure something out or whatever. I don't know. All I know is, is that was when I really said, huh, I'm got, and I started doing it back to him because I had the uproar. Yeah. From yeah. Pre- primos. <laughs> oh no. I had the uproar <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, you know, and going back at him and he was just doing it back at me. And it was the one, just like that other buck. It was so fun. And, but of course he wouldn't come anywhere near me. So, you know, I, <laughs> But it was still, you know, still, you learn a lot from that. Yeah. You learn that, the, that there, there is some effectiveness to it. So I've been, and I actually heard, it was not even that long ago. I heard on a podcast that a guy said, that's all I do. I do snort wheezes. I don't even grunt. He goes, I just do snort wheezes because I'm, I'm aiming to get the mature buck pissed to come and he wants to see what's going on. Yeah. Said, yeah. That's, I mean, not a ba- that's not yeah. a bad methodology. You know, I like it. I'll, yeah. yeah. I'll try anything once. <laughs> I, I i like i like the way he thinks <laughs> ain't gonna lie yeah so so yeah, how about how about what do you do when it's time to shoot 
Okay. This is a, this is a kind of a big thing. And for you, especially, you know, on the ground. So yeah, it's tough. I, I mean, there's so many times I think I've lost a couple buck because of that movement, right? Yeah. To that movement, just that movement to take the shot. You have such a small window sometimes. Yeah. And I think that uh, there's, there's people that call other people out on, oh, you took a bad shot or, or I'd have never missed that shot or whatever. Sometimes you have a fleeting moment to get that deer to stop, get, get drawn and that angles, shot, things, you know, twigs. There's so many and, variables. Yeah. So one of the things is when, when I'm looking at, I want, I want that 15, 20 yard shot because those five yard shots straight down out of the tree, they can be so challenging. That's, and it's hard yeah. to hit all the vital organs you want to hit at that angle too. Yeah. You know, so I want the deer to be out for me a little bit. A quarter of a way shot or a broadside shot is, is optimal. You know, I have taken the straight down through the back shot and succeeded mightily with that. But, you know, it's not. Yeah, it was gnarly. Not something I prefer to do because you never yeah. know how it's going to work out. Then, but, you know, you want to take that time and that deer is not looking at you and they're coming in and you want to draw early. One of the things I made a mistake with for years, and I lost a lot of, a lot of deer early on when I was first hunting with you guys after I'd retired was that I was waiting too long to draw. Yeah. And I was like paranoid about movement and not wanting to get busted. And, but you got a hold there. Did I get that hole off the, the let off on your bow for a reason draw. And last year I got burned on it. Like last year I drew early and the deer was coming, coming downhill to me and I drew and I was holding it and then he stopped and was trying to figure out something. He knew something wasn't right. I, he was, he was, you know, I was downwind from him. So he wasn't wind issue, but there was something yeah. and he just would not, all he had to take was like, like three steps. Yeah. He just had to come out from behind stuff and I was starting to shake, starting to shake. And then I let off and that when I let off, that's when he, that's when he ran. There was your fleeting so, moment. Yeah. <laughs> So, I mean, you gotta, it's a, it's a, it's definitely a calculation, you know, you yeah, have to pick take, your time. Yeah. You know, yeah. when they get behind something walking into you or they're behind a tree or, or if they look away or if they're putting their head down to feed right, there's your chance, you know, yeah, draw. it's tough though. Cause they do have that high angle, that 280 some degree angle of a vision. That's hard to get, you know, understand if they're seeing it or not. So you still have to, you know, try to make sure you got a little bit of cover where you can do it, which isn't always possible. You know, and then you get on yeah. target, you know, and we talked about target panic and trying to manage that stuff and taking a deep breath, settling in on the target. And I aim a little bit low if they're out at that 20 yard mark, if they're closer in, I aim center mass, but if they're out a little farther, I aim a little bit lower because I, you know, I'm anticipating them doing that natural, you know, duck, they drop down a little bit when they hear something and I want to make sure I hit stuff. So that's, that's pretty much. You know what I do? My release, because I use a four finger release. I don't use a wrist wrist strap trigger release. You know, I use the the thumb release. And with that, it's always on my bow. It's always on the the knock loop. Yeah, it's hanging there. So I take my bow off. I have to do is grab it and yeah. and, and go from there. Yeah, I for me, I don't have the bird's eye view of seeing them coming in from a distance. So I, like I can hear them from a distance, maybe depending on situation. So I, I got to be ready earlier 
than the guy up in the tree, I feel. And I'm now in at eyesight with them. So it's, it's, it's a challenge. And that's why I pick my spots wisely ambush. Everything's a blind corner and ambush. I know you're probably tired of hearing me talk about it, but I'm trying to get that, you know, I, the thing is, is like, if you're not comfortable ambush points, yeah, if you're not comfortable climbing, you're not uh, a guy at work, his son, he has a, a feeling that his son is afraid of heights or, and, or not comfortable climbing in twilight or at night, you know, coming back down, stuff like that. And I'm like, Hey man, a lot of hunt people hunt from the ground that are extremely successful doing it and don't be afraid and maybe encourage them to start hunting off the ground more. It might light an, an extra fire in them. You know, it, it changed everything for me changing my style of hunting and, and starting to hunt from the ground. So there's always that, but it's definitely a harder style of hunting. I think that's just my opinion. It is harder. I mean, you yeah. have, like you said, that, uh, I'm trying to think of who it was. There's somebody was talking and one of the, one of the podcasts I was listening to, and he talked about being on the ground and saying, Hey, you have sometimes, you know, you have to be drawn as soon as you hear something. Your window of opportunity is a lot, a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah. He's drawn and said, I'm sitting there waiting for a minute, trying to just be as relaxed as possible with my bow bow drawn. And then, you know, because I only, because they, you know, might only have two to three seconds. Yeah. Things happen faster. Yeah. They're going to see me or there's a possibility they're going to see me or win me because they're close. Yeah. And, and boom, I gotta, I gotta take a shot. And the thing is, we talk about this a lot. Some people always say, well, you know deer could be 30, 40 yards away. Most of the areas that we hunt where it's, it's thick enough that you're not getting a shot out to that distance. Most no, of the, no. You know? Yeah. When, when, when I hear them, it's generally they're, they're close enough for me to start drawing. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's kind of how I base it. I, I can't hear that well years of construction. So if I hear them, they're close enough to draw, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm deaf. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Same goes for you. Yeah. I'm always getting surprised by him. <laughs> oh, oh, I think that's it there, buddy. Well, that's, I think that's a, that's a pretty good, pretty good episode, Dan. I think it had, we, we talked a lot about, you know, hard habits to break, you know, how to, you know, what we're doing to, to final prep stuff and get ready for going up to hunting camp here in two weeks. That all the different things you do for access and how to plan it out and, and what you should be doing to plan for the season. And we talked about, you know, what you do when you get to your stand, a little bit of calling and sense. And then we talked about here, you know, how to take the shot when the moment of truth comes. Dude. So I think that's, that's, that's quite a bit of stuff. And that's, that's, that's a pretty good show. Yeah, man. I, you know, thank you everybody for listening. I hope, I hope we have your attention. I uh, hope you like what you're hearing. If you are hit that like button, subscribe. If you have any questions, Mike covered that in the beginning, where to go, you know, answer, ask a question on Spotify. What is the YouTube. other one? YouTube, YouTube stuff like in, that. Instagram, Instagram, whatever. you know, and again, as always, man, we are so grateful for the people that are listening. Thank you so much.